What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Three Yards Per Carry, your weekly fix of Miami Dolphins chat in association with the Five Reasons Sports Network. As always, myself, Simon Clancy, along with Chris Kaufman and Alfredo Artiaga on the pod this week. Actual football to talk about. People are playing football, throwing and catching. We will assess the state of number 17's knee. We'll look at the love for Minka Fitzpatrick already. I don't know if you saw the look in Tannehill's eyes yesterday when he was at the lectern in the press conference. It looked like a scene from Brokeback Mountain when he started talking about Fitzpatrick. We'll talk about the contract extension for Bobby McCain and two underachieving wide receivers getting a bitch fight over who's got the biggest handbag. But first, Alf has been on Rob Gronkowski's love boat. Tell us more about Gronk's party ship. <laughs> well, as... as... Very few of you know now, and most of our listeners are going to find out right now. I was in Mexico this past weekend, uh, and I was enjoying Consumel. And as you know, when most people get on a boat, they tend to buy a lot of things. And I bought many things, a lot of things for friends. Like uh, uh, for myself, I bought some fine art. I bought a, an excessive amount of tequila. For friends, I bought T-shirts, tequila, and... For one very particular person, we bought a very special gift. And my wife was the one who bought this thing. Is it for me? No, it's not for you. It's for my friend's wife who walked our dog one day that our house sitter could not walk the dog. Crikey, you've got a low bar for gifts. I mean, I could come out and mow your lawn. What sort of gift would I get? (laughs) She walked your dog once and you bought her a gift. (laughs) Yes, yes. Right. Okay. Wow. So, you know, and one of our on the first day of the trip, we disembarked in Key West on our way to Consumel, and my wife says, "I found something that's perfect for her. I'm going to go buy it and I'll bring it back to you." And she comes back and she shows me this thing, and it's about four inches long. It's filled with butane, and it's a cigar lighter. The thing is that it's shaped like a penis. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry listeners we've I'm, gone low already okay. I, I no. do not want to mow your lawn anymore no now. I don't either I never want to work for you could you, could you take me off your gift list and I'm, don't no, ever the best part the best part about this this projectile let's call it is that when you open yeah, it, let's to just light, it, what it is. To... it's a knob <laughs> you, could, you could call it a penis lighter but go ahead <laughs> okay the best part about this thing is when you open it to light your cigar, it vibrates. So That's the best now, thing? So, yeah, so now it doubles as a marital aid, okay? Now, you wouldn't want to get that. That's a, bit of a, that's a bit of a dangerous marital Isn't aid. It? You wouldn't want to accidentally press the fire button. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, if you've noticed, she bought this thing before we're going to Mexico, Okay. So obviously I can leave it in the boat. That's no problem. But when you come back from Mexico, they have this thing called customs. 
And there's a big giant sign right there outside of customs here in the in the great old United States that says, "No vibrators." <laughs> you have to declare anything that is flammable or anything that may cause any combustion. So naturally, we have this dick that could set fire to a suitcase with us. Okay, so. No way to talk about your wife, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mrs. Artiaga. So we're uh, in line, and I'm and I, I had completely forgotten about this thing, but the light bulb goes up, goes off, and I remember, oh my god, I have this thing right inside of this bag. So I'm thinking to myself, you know what? My wife probably forgot about it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to grab all the tequila bottles. And I'm going to say, look, I have all these tequila bottles. You grab this bag. And I did the old switcheroo on her. And as soon as we get up there, as luck would have it, I'm the one who gets searched. She doesn't get searched. And it goes right on through. So. And you're uh, telling the country now that you smuggled, I mean. Yes, a combustible penis into the United States. Yes. If, if ice come and knock at your door overnight, don't blame me. Well, ice can't knock on my door because I'm America. <laughs> you smuggled an inflamed penis. Yes. That is an illegal dick. That is an illegal knob. <laughs> of course, it's company policy never to imply ownership in the event of a dildo. No. We have to use the article, A dildo. I have so many questions. I have so many questions about this. <laughs> Quite apart from the knob chat. Okay. Like, Last week, off air, once we finished recording the podcast, we always have a little quick chat, and you said, I'm not around next week, or I'm going off on this, this boat trip. I just assumed it was something slightly bigger than a canoe, <laughs> and maybe about the same size as Jimmy Johnson's boat, but you make it sound like you were on, like, the Titanic. Oh, it was a cruise. Okay. You know. Okay. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I went to an art auction on this on this damn thing. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty big thing, yeah. Like there's restaurants and are you aware that that they have these things called cruise ships now, Simon? I am aware of cruise ships, Alf. Do we are uh, I live in a first world country. I'm well aware of cruise ships. Are you are you sure this wasn't a Rob Gronkowski thing? Because you know, buying penis paraphernalia is just so Rob. And art, in inverted commas. <laughs> Photos of strippers. Well, well those those are just impulse buys, you know? Like you just sit there, and you're like, oh, I, I like that, and then your wife gets in your ear, and just so she she would stop talking, you you know, you say, all right, I'll, I'll give you this this thousand bucks for this this fucking painting, you know what I mean? <laughs> just briefly, while, just briefly while we're talking about dicks, because um, <laughs> oh, are we really? <laughs> and before we get to green light tech, which has got nothing to do with penises, <laughs> but we're probably not going to get to this later. But I've literally just seen the Jason Sanders, our kicker was nine for nine today, including a 56-yarder, whereas the free agent kicker was only four of nine, including missing four in a row, one from 33 yards. So I think who's going to win the dick-kicking competition, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious where, where that one's going. I just thought I'd sneak that in, and I also like the link about talking about dicks, because I know how much you hate kickers. Anyway, to the advert. Uh. Yeah, let's uh, let's stop talking about uh, broken dicks and start talking about uh, broken computers. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, for an athlete to be successful, he needs a team. Same as in business. That's why more small to mid-sized businesses in South Florida are choosing Greenlight Tech, the full-service, 
concierge IT company that gets it right. Greenlight Tech advises, monitors, supports, and keeps your important data backed up and secure. They'll even manage your vendors for you. Call Greenlight Tech at 561-325-9997. Mention five reasons and get a free assessment. Sign up and your first month is free. You heard it, free. Be unstoppable when you go on green. Visit greenlighttech.com. And just so you guys know, that guy is a monster Dolphins fan. That's one of the cool things about having a local podcast and you know, advertising locally and stuff like that. We're all Miami Dolphins fans. All the guys that come up and want to read, want us to read ads for them are all Dolphins fans. So, uh, so I'd, I'd support the guy. I'd keep it all in the community there. It's, um, it's pretty cool. We were chatting him about the other day about the best time to go see training camp and get his kids some autographs and stuff like that. So, Yeah, guys, if, if you have a problem with, with your computer, you know, remember two pods ago we suggested to flush it down the toilet. Don't do that. Call Greenlight Tech. <laughs> They'll take care of you. Trust me when I tell you. Alf, okay. I, was trying to note, I was trying to note down the phone number there and didn't get it. Just, just give the listeners the number again. And that is nice. Greenlight Tech at 561-325-9997. Like well, it. enough of Greenlight Tech for now. We complain a lot around here how we don't keep our better players. Jarvis Landry gone and Dominican Sue gone. And although we're, we're kind of happy with how we replaced some of these guys, one guy we did manage to keep, and I think we're all happy that we did, was Bobby McCain. So, Chris... What did you think of his extension? Was it the price was right? Uh, where does he compare as far as other slot corners? Is this a good deal? It's funny that you you, you started off by saying that we all agree that uh, that this was a good extension because I, I was going to add in as soon as you say we all complain about how they don't keep their guys and they let them go. Uh, of course, ironically, they do keep one of their guys. And then all I hear on Twitter and everywhere else is complaining about how much money he got uh it was a four-year 27 million dollar extension with 14 million guaranteed works out to about 6.75 million a year and everybody's just like oh that's an overpay that's an overpay i i don't get it sometimes but um but you know that's that's the way it goes i think this is a good deal i think people kind of lose sight of there are two things that happen one People's mindset about the the salary cap tends to lag the actual salary cap growth by like three years or something like that. We're we're working on a hundred and eighty plus million dollar salary cap uh, or a hundred eighty million dollar salary cap right now. Next year it's going to be one ninety plus. Um, this represents about one thirtieth or something like that of the salary cap. It is not a big deal. Uh, I think they got them for a good contract. Actually, you're going to look at this two years from now. Because this is guy, this this guy's an ascending player. He's he's only in his fourth year. He's been with the Dolphins three years, and he's gotten better literally every single year. He's comfortable with the team. He's comfortable in the system, and uh, and he knows it well. And he's just getting better and better. So, two years from now, you could be looking at this guy having gotten even better, and you're like, wow, you know, this contract is pretty cheap, and yet we've got him for three more years. So I think that that's um. I think that that's a positive for it. The other thing people tend to think is uh, is they they lose sight of the defensive trends. Uh, there was only one team in the NFL last year who was actually a four three defense, and that's the Cleveland Browns. And I don't think you want to emulate them because they were zero and sixteen. Everybody else was using five defensive backs per snap on average, and what that means is dime has become as popular as base. 
you know, so as often as you see a four, three or a three, four out there, you're going to see like a four, one or a two, three. Um, so I think that, uh, because of that, you have to keep your defensive backs and you have to keep a bunch of talented ones there because if you're going to get on the field and you're going to get snaps, then you, you damn well better be talented. Uh, you don't put waste of space out there. And I think that Bobby McCain is a lot better than that. He's obviously the number two corner on the team. As far as talent goes, I don't care where he plays. Um, so you want him, you want him out there, and you want him, uh, him on the team. I think there's going to be five thousand snaps in the secondary next year, and so with any luck, Xavier Howard, Rashad Jones, and Minka Fitzpatrick will take up three thousand of them if they stay healthy. Bobby McCain, if he takes up like eight hundred of them, that leaves four hundred apiece for guys like T.J. McDonald, Tony Lippett, and Cordrea Tankersley. That's plenty uh, for those guys. I think you look at the defensive line, these guys are all going to get on the defensive line 400 to 600 snaps. So uh, it's not like we're wasting resources by not playing Tony Lippett enough or something like that. Um, I think it's a, he's a fantastic athlete. His 40 time was in the upper third or just not right on the cusp of the upper third as far as corners go. Um, I think you know he had a, like a 10-foot, 10 10-inch 10 broad jump and – the third fastest shuttle time ever recorded for a corner. I, you know, he's a, he's a good athlete. He's an ascending player growing in his fourth year, homegrown, not one of these guys that you borrow from somebody else's system and then close your eyes and hope for the best. Um, I don't see the complaints. I think it's a fantastic deal. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've talked about McCain a lot. I mean, look, first of all, how many fifth round draft picks sign a second contract in the NFL? I mean, kudos yeah. to the Dolphins front office in terms of, you know, that's a that's a knock it out of the park. Uh, you know, he's worked hard on and off the field. I was reading the other day that he went back and his kind of off-season consisted not of a holiday, but binge-watching every single game of the 2017 season over and over again. So each game he watched three times to see how things worked, to try and figure out tendencies, what he was doing right, what he was doing wrong, all these sorts of things. Ascending players, you mentioned Chris, certainly over the last two seasons – you get by in the NFL with average to okay slot talent. And McCain is a good slot cornerback. He's a really good slot cornerback. Like we talked about, ascending player who deserved this extension. You know, I was sat with Joe Shad at the back end of last season. Um, and we talked about MVPs on the Dolphins' defense. And behind him, Derek and Sue, Bobby McCain was probably the most valuable player on that defense last season. You know, he played really, really well. And certainly far better than a fifth-round draft pick would it be expected to play. And uh, for people pontificating about whether or not he's worth it financially, one, it's not your money anyway, so why are you worried? <laughs> uh, you know, and all these people saying, oh, Mike Tannenbaum shot himself in the foot. This is just people who don't have a basic understanding of how salary works. I mean, it just beggars belief sometimes. It just makes me, sometimes social media makes me want to kill myself. Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, these rabbit holes. Or kill somebody down. else. Or kill somebody else. <laughs> but these rabbit holes that we go to, I mean, two of us are going to get arrested. You with your cock thing that you, you <laughs> smuggled in Sicario style from, from Mexico. And then me trying to kill people on social media. It's only Chris left. And I suspect the lawnmower man next door is probably going to get a bullet. So there could be no podcast next week. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Bobby McCain, excellent player. It would have been a travesty to let him go. We re-signed one of our own ascending talent. Uh, it's win-win as far as I can tell. Yeah, and I would I would argue that he was essential. I was I was giving this some thought when I got the news that he was signed. I thought to myself, you know, but 
could they have used that money elsewhere? And then I was thinking, no, no, that's not where you don't want to use that money elsewhere. You want him exactly where he is right now because him being there on the team signed means he's going to play, which means he's going to be the slot corner on the team, which means it gives the team the versatility that they sought to get this offseason. When you drafted Minka Fitzpatrick, you have Rashad Jones, you have TJ McDonald, you have Lippitt, you have Xavier Howard, you have Cordrea Tankersley. You have a group that is versatile enough to play as many fronts, as many coverages as you like. You lose a Bobby McCain, things start changing. Uh, who knows? Maybe Tankersley turns into the slot corner. Maybe they have to use Minka Fitzpatrick there all year. So you never know. So I would argue he was pretty much essential. I, I want to ask you guys, um, I'll put it to both of you and uh, and see what you think. Uh, because I think that first off is the six and 6.75 million a year, uh, the level that he's out, uh, represents what he has been already in the league uh, as a slot corner. And he's already been a pretty good one. What you know he can take care of. Uh, the Dolphins this year are going to give him the chance to win a job in base on the outside with against Tony Lippett and Cordrea Tankersley. There's a three-man competition going on. We all know Xavier Howard is going to take one of those spots. Um, and I want to put it to both of you. To me, I look at this as just pure upside if he wins that spot. He's already being paid for what he is, you know. but now maybe he could be a Chris Harris or something like that. Do you guys, do either of you see him winning that job? Do you see him being the outside on base and then moving inside when they go to nickel? I think it depends on what happens with Fitzpatrick in a way. He's been cross-training at free safety, strong safety, and at nickel um, in terms of, and he said he's pretty much split the exact amount of same snaps of the three different positions. I don't think McCain will win the outside job just because I think he's too valuable inside and because, you know, first down can often be, you know, a, a, a down where you need a nickel corner straight away. So I, I think he will he will ultimately play in the slot. I suspect that I suspect that Tankersley will win. I suspect that Tankersley will win the job. I don't know. It, it, this will be a really interesting positional battle on the uh, you know on the perimeter to play opposite Howard, who apparently has been excellent um, already in both in OTAs and in the in the first couple of days of minicamp. Um, but I, I, ultimately, I think McCain will stay inside rather than play on the outside. Alf, what do you reckon? Yeah, I don't think he'll win the outside job, and I'll tell you why. And it's uh, First of all, I agree with everything that you just said. Uh, he's too valuable inside to move him outside. But let's say, yeah, that he, that, that he probably deserves the outside job. Uh, I don't like him there. And the reason I don't like him there is because I've never seen him win vertically. And mm. we have guys on the team that we know can win vertically. And Tankersley, and especially Lippitt, who showed it as a starter in 2016. So, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you remember Bobby McCain going up to, to break up passes at, at its highest point in the end zone? No, what I do remember is that that's usually how he's gotten beaten before. So, mm. yeah, so I think that, that that's, that's, that's just, I think, lip service being paid oh. to a guy who, who kind of deserves the benefit of the doubt because he's been a very good performer for this team. But I do not think that he has any shot. I think he could do it. I mean, I, I hate to go against the grain, but I think he could. I think he could get that. I mean, he played the outside some already, and you know, while I'm not sure if I remember him a specific instance of him winning, like say Xavier Howard clearly did on on some of those um, some of those long balls. Um, 
I, he also didn't get not last year anyway. He also didn't really get beat. Uh, I think that the touchdown problem that you mentioned, he he did have a hard time in the red zone specifically um, against uh, against teams in 2016. And I thought that was probably one of his weaker spots is, is, is in the end zone, you know, particularly around the red zone. Um, but he really fixed that in 2017. He only allowed one touchdown. Uh, his his stats on the perimeter are pretty good. I don't see this as being um, Alteron Werner, you know, who you know, they ended up putting on the outside and torched immediately and Al- however, Alter- much, however much they did it. Alteron Werner, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Alter- <laughs> is that what you're going to name your new uh, dildo lighter? <laughs> I don't know why you're saying that to me. I'm not the one with the fire. fire. I'm not the, I was about to say I'm not the one with the fiery cock, but that would be a bit too much personal information. So. Well, I would name it Callan Balage, but it's the wrong color. <laughs> oh, uh, can we get Callan Balage in here uh, to to comment on that? Crikey, can you imagine? Can you imagine Alf with Balage? The microphone would be wet. <laughs> oh, Callan! How... He signed, by the way. So, he signed, by so the way. Huge oh, news. Yeah, he signed. Massive news. He looks so muscly in your little top, Callan. <laughs> oh, oh! Can I tell you how much I love you? Oh. I... The internet told me he caught a pass today in camp, and I, I got all tumescent. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we go to break, we got to touch on on the. Don't local... touch on anything. Not on the last. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let's not let's not touch on that yet. Yet at the Hall of Fame, maybe. Okay. Christ Be- on a bike. <laughs> before we go to break, let's touch on the little controversy of this week. The little intrigue. Palace intrigue, maybe, because, you know, it's a guy who's been on the network. And that was Chris Chambers ranking his top five wide receivers on the Miami Dolphins. And Devontae Parker found himself not in the top two. To which he responded on Twitter as, nobody cares about your opinion. Your thoughts on this, Chris? Uh, I think it's, I, I, I respect Chris Chambers a lot, actually. And I respect what he who he was as a player and, um, he was an extremely durable player through his career, too. Uh, you know, big shots from Kinoy Kennedy uh, right in the face, notwithstanding. Um, but uh, but this gives me the feeling of like a bunch of kids on the schoolyard egging each other or egging two kids on to try and get them to fight. I mean, it's it's really weird to watch this unfold. Uh, and it's like, you know, oh, are you going to let him say that about you? Oh, did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's really strange how the media is kind of, um, you know, constructing this controversy. And it seems like very manufactured. Uh, I think Chris Chambers is an authority on the subject. So um, you, you should probably listen to him when it comes to what he says about training and keeping your body in order. But at the same time, you know, hey, his opinion can be his opinion. Devonte Parker does everything the team says, and and he's just putting his head down and getting to work. So uh, there's no real controversy here. It's just like I, I think we're in a dead spot in the median cycle, yeah. and uh, and so so maybe I don't know. Maybe they want to pump this up because Alpha, you've mentioned several times, you know, Chris Chambers is going to be uh, is going to be coaching, uh, helping helping uh, them with the wide receivers sometime soon. So maybe the media are trying to, you know, get a narrative and a story that they can keep pushing 
I mean, who cares about this? Who cares about what Chris Chambers has to say about Devontae Parker? I mean, two underachieving wide receivers in a pissing competition with wind blowing straight at them, so they're essentially pissing on themselves. I mean, I, I actually, you know, for all the criticism that we've leveled at Devontae Parker, you know, Loggins, Loggins, however you pronounce our offensive coordinator's name, came out this week and said, I don't know what the fuss is about. You know, ever since I've been here, he's been in the building early. He's been here late. Uh, he's incredibly impressed with his work ethic. Guy spends a ton of time trying to make himself better. You know, and Chambers came out, Chambers' statement was that, I don't know if Devontae Parker fully gets what it means to be a pro. Essentially because Devontae Parker declined an invitation to work out with Chris Chambers. So it's Chris Chambers getting his panties in a twist because Devontae Parker was like, no, thanks, bub. I'll work out somewhere else or I'll do my own thing. Or, you know, I'm out here working with, with Amandola and Wilson and, Ta- and my quarterback. I probably don't need to come down and work with you. It, it just seems like Chris Chambers has just had his nose put out of joint because Devontae was just like, I, I just want to kind of do my own thing if that's all right with you. And then all of a sudden it's been blown out of proportion into this massive kind of, I really couldn't give two shits. <laughs> well, the, the people that have given given two shits so far has been every single beat writer down here and every single radio show who has been nonstop since Monday on this. That so, says everything you need to know about radio and beat writing. Yes, it does. Well, we got to go to break. And when we come back, we will talk about all the interviews, about personnel groupings, about the interviews the coaches gave this week, which were kind of interesting i think and some new personalities that developed on the team but first these words while we have a minute here want to introduce you to what's going on with the five reasons sports network we started with one podcast the five reasons flagship that's hosted by myself ethan skolnick along with chris whittingham but chris since then we've added four more yes we have ethan we have for the miami heat fans out there we have miami heat beat Three Yards Per Carry, a juggernaut of a Dolphins podcast. Simon Clancy, C.K. Parrott, Uptown Report on Twitter, doing a brilliant job there. Balls cast with Chris Joseph and Slim. He does not go by a name. He merely goes by Slim. And then we have Pitch Invasion, which I host. is a soccer podcast. We're going to be going strong during the World Cup. So check out all the other podcasts on the Five Reasons Sports Network. And be sure to check out the Twitter account, at Five Reasons Sports. That's the number five reason sports we post all the schedules for the podcast polls all kinds of cool stuff there you will not get more information from any other sports outlet in south florida sports by miami for miami And we're back, and we do encourage you to listen to all the podcasts on the network. The Balls cast on Friday, Pitch Invasion, which will have a big World Cup preview show here soon. Uh, the flagship, Five Reasons, and of course, Miami Heat Beat. Uh, Simon, this week, plenty of player interviews, play, plenty of coach interviews. First of all, let's get into the coaches. Anything that struck your fancy, anything that you found interesting? Yeah, I mean, Adam Gaze, I always find quite an interesting listen. You know, I've spoken to him a few times in press conferences. And, you know, he he sometimes gives more away than you think he's going to. And he's he's very honest and he's he's oftentimes very critical of him, you know, of himself. But he was on WQAM, I think, on the first morning of not OTA, but um, minicamp. Okay. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, uh, and he was interesting talking about, you know, all sorts of things, really. So he, he talked about... 
um, Albert Wilson. I said Wilson had been hugely impressive with explosive plays down the field in meetings. Uh, he talked about um, the, the defensively that we're, we're going to talk a bit about personnel groupings, but the four-two-five defensive scheme is a legitimate option, which is kind of something that we've been talking about a lot. He talked about Minka Fitzpatrick. In fact, he talked twice about Fitzpatrick once on WQAM where he said that being an offensive guy, it's frustrating. I have to keep putting my head coach's hat on because he's always get he's always got the ball, and that's great. But offensively, I'm kind of pissed at it. Um, and then yesterday, he was on the lectern. And he, you know, he talked about uh, all sorts of things. You know, the personnel groupings that we'll get to. He was asked about Charles Harris, for example, last year's first round pick, who you know I think we all kind of like, but just wanted a bit more from. And he certainly played well down the stretch. And and Gaze was like, you know, he's he's one of the players on the team that I'm least worried about in terms of, you know, everything started to slow down for him. He just gets it on and off the field. He works incredibly hard. Um, he came out again and talked about the, the, the rookies and, and said it was hard for him to pick one individually, but then he went into, you know, he was asked about Fitzpatrick and he just eulogized and said, you know, he's been everything and more that we expect him to, expected him to be. He's here late. He's in early. He's sat by the coaches. He's asking the veterans. He's talking to TJ. He's talking to Rashad. He gets his hands on an awful lot of balls. He just works really, really hard, which, I, you know, we kind of we kind of hoped that would be the case. But, you know, and Gaze was just like, you know, this is this is the real deal for, for him. This is, a, you know, he takes his craft really seriously, which is kind of great to hear. Um, so I think all that was, was really interesting. Talked a little bit about Tannehill, talked about the – the race that we, you know, this this kind of ongoing kind of competition between the receivers about who's the quickest, and he, he was kind of put on the spot by Omar Kelly as to who do you think's the fastest, and he sort of started to laugh and like you know how Gaze sometimes tries and hides his humour but then can't help himself, and didn't really want to be drawn on it, but sort of thought that Jakeem was probably the fastest, but didn't want to get into trouble about it. So you know he showed that nice side as well. It was just just interesting to hear him talk generally because he does tend just to give a you know sometimes he's very guarded and he shuts people down quite quickly, other times he just spans and eulogizes a little bit more and it's it, it's interesting to see uh, tony lippett was on the the podium it was nice to hear from tony you know back after the the, the injury uh, and he talked interestingly about about the relationship between himself and ryan Tannehill and the fact that every single day last year they were in rehab together working out together built a really good friendship together uh, and lippett was asked a, a very pointed question about whether or not he saw Tannehill whether he saw him every day, the frustration, the disappointment of missing a second season. And he said, he was immediately kind of cut the reporter down and said, no, never. He just saw it as an opportunity to get better. He saw it as an opportunity to get back on the field. I saw with my own eyes how much he loved the game and what he did every single day was make me better because he worked so hard. It made me try and keep up with the level that, that Ryan was trying to get to every single day. So, you know, just a nice kind of because you don't often see those kind of defensive guys and the you know the offensive guys, their relationship because they're obviously not in the you know the only time they're out on the field the only time they're together really is when they're out on the field and then Tannehill talked you know a bit more about the the video that we saw last week that you talked about last week Alf with with Mike Jasicki and the kind of the when Tannehill went down the field and was talking to him about how he you know, was to run routes and these sorts of things and said, you know, there's some growing pains with Jasicki. He said, but he made this great one-handed catch down the sideline. He's flashed a few times. The athletic ability is, is there. And, it, and then he made the point at the end that when he gets it, he's really going to get it. And then he was asked about Minka Fitzpatrick and I mentioned it in the opener there. And he said about, you know, his eyes lit up when he started talking. It was hard for him to, to keep the smile off his face. And he was just like, this kid has been, 
you know, this kid has been super, super impressive. And I, I was watching Aaron Rodgers yesterday in a Green Bay interview, and Rodgers was asked about how Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson were doing. And Rodgers said, you know, with that kind of Aaron Rodgers humor, said, you know, they're, they're, they're chirpy. They're chirpy guys, especially 27 which or 23, which is Alexander. He said, so I'm just going to have to get to training camp and dice them up a little bit and really kind of show them who the boss is, <laughs> which was kind of, you know, really nice. Um, but you kind of but there was obviously a respect there and there's clearly respect already, you know, in that short space of time, because Ryan was again made the point that, that Gaze did about how, you know, it's clear that this is a real, you know, this is this is Minka's job and he is taking this shit really seriously. So, you know, it's just I always think it's good to hear from the players and, they, you know, they're honest and they're open and they're, you know, they they generally ask good questions and they give good answers. And it was just quite nice to hear just the sort of, you know, it's early days, but that kind of development amongst the players, who's doing well, who's, you know, it, it was interesting. Well, before we get to, to Chris, let me let me expand a little bit on, on that. Um when when I was on my show, uh, Sports Bang, we had uh, Bryant McKinney on as a guest host a couple of times. And one time I got into a conversation with him, and I asked him what was missing on the team. And, by the way, he was a huge fan of Ryan Tannehill, by the way. He, he thought that he was a really, really good quarterback. And he told me what this team needs, and he told me, even if they can't play, you need to put an old guy in every unit to teach the young guys how to do things. And... If you look back and you look at our offense, you have Danny Amendola in the wide receiver group mm -hmm. where Jakeem Grant is already, you know, I don't know if you saw his interview, but Jakeem Grant couldn't stop talking about Danny I Amendola. Did. And mm -hmm. you have... Big day for Grant today. Big yeah. day for Grant today. He played really well today. And you have Josh Sutton, or Josh Sitton, as we found out, that's how they pronounce his name, on the offensive line to help Larry Mutunsel and Logan's actually made mention of that. And, and Daniel Kilgore. I mean, he's mm. worth mentioning, too. Okay. And Tunsil apparently got abused today by Robert Quinn, who, who apparently looks really good, really yes, quick. Yeah, uh, yes. yeah. yeah, that's something I, I wanted to talk about also. Yeah. And then in the running back group, you got Frank Gore. So it mm -hmm. seems that they took his advice, but I think that they, they didn't only take his advice. They actually got three guys that are going to produce for us this year. There was a great quote from Gaze on Gore, actually. He said, you know, he talked about, obviously, how it's great to have him, and he's the same guy that I saw 10 years ago in San Francisco, just a bit older, but, you know, the work ethic. And the, and he said, you know, we've we've tried to limit his work during spring. He doesn't, you know, doesn't work during spring, hasn't done for the last few years to try and, you know, keep himself healthy. He said, you know, and the, the problem is that he said, I, I turn around and Frank's work, you know, working out on the side, and he knows that he's not to go in and do individual reps. And I turn around, and there he is, he's carrying the ball. And I'm like, how the hell did he get in there? And he said, you know, I turn around again. I tell him, Frank, you can't, you know, you got to, you got to go easy, my friend. You got to, you know, it's a long season. And Gore's like, yeah, okay. And he goes back and carries on stretching and doing his thing on the side. And Gay says, I turn around and walk away. And I turn around and boom, Drake's out and in's Gore again. And he's busting through the middle again. And it's like, Frank, what are you doing? And he's like, oh yeah, sorry, coach. He said, every time I turn around, he's like, he's back in there again. I don't know how he does it. But you know, it was done with very, you know, Gaze's kind of deadpan humor. Mm -hmm. But you could just see that kind of. You know, but those things are important, and and clearly there's a you know Tannehill talked about it as well. Talked about the, you know that tight knit running back group, but that Frank is, you know, is absolutely at the at the head of it. And Ryan says, you know, Frank every single day he'll come and sit in the quarterback's room and he'll say, come on, Ryan, give me something, give me something, draw a play up, give me something, tell me what I'm supposed to be doing here, tell me about the protection here, tell me about what I'm doing here, tell me if you change the play, what are you looking to change it to? He says every single day. 
you know, he sat with Frank and he's asking questions. And then you can see him with Drake and Drake follows him around like a puppy. And then Ballage follows the other two around like, you know, a smaller puppy mm. or a big puppy in our size. Um, mm. But, you know, it's, um, it's 230 pounds. Simon. He is. You're not, not going to be able to, you know, get that one past me. Hide him. Not going to hide him. No, but, you know. <laughs> You do not make like a, a uh, not like a dildo uh, uh, no. flamethrower. Like no. Not like a fiery dildo. No, <laughs> can't hide that. Yeah. Or a Chris Chambers handbag. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you yeah. know, I, I I find these infinitely interesting. You know, just to come on, it's early. It's still it's June the ninth or whatever. You know, a long way to go before we actually do anything serious. But it, it's interesting to see how it's going. Yeah. Alf, you touched on uh, you touched on sort of the atmosphere and uh, and and structuring the roster in ways that uh, that guys um, you know learn from each other and learn from uh, guys uh, veterans who know how to get it done. Uh, they've structured the roster in some different ways too, and that's sort of one of the things that stood out to me. Um, another I'll get to in a minute. You mentioned Jakeem Grant; that was a big theme throughout the day on today's interview. But the first thing that st- sticks out to me is the leadership and, um, and the seriousness that these guys all have. Uh, I've been told that, you know, from people that have contact with the players every day and are there to know what the locker room is like, that this is, you know, some of the most relaxed that they've ever seen it in terms of, uh, these guys socializing with one another and how well they get along. Like the camaraderie is there. They all get along they have team activities once a week. They genuinely love each other. Whatever something something has changed this off season, and I don't know if it's removing some guys from the equation. I don't want to you know throw any shade on anybody or anything like that. But something has clearly changed as far as the the locker room atmosphere goes with these guys. And another thing that's changed is you're hearing Ryan Tannehill's name a lot, right? Mm. And it's and not when he's up there, but like you're hearing his name a lot. You're seeing him out there like with Mike Gesicki um, and that's on purpose uh, somebody uh, somebody who is in position to absolutely know this inside the team uh, told me that in the wake of Sue being cut you know the staff really talked to Ryan and said that they want him to step up and be the leader of the team not just one of the leaders of the team you know not this lead by example stuff, which I always feel is kind of a cop out from somebody that doesn't mm-hmm. really want to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not that stuff. They want him to reach out and grab it. And, you know, you are Peyton Manning. You are Philip Rivers. You are Drew Brees. This is your team. Uh, and they asked him to do that. And he kind of took it very personally. And he's, he's taken it on him to do exactly that. And so you're seeing, him reach out with the players more and take more of a hold of the the locker room and the team and nobody is standing in his way you know uh they're not gonna they're not having uh Rashad Jones or Cameron Wake be the leader of this team they're not having Indomitian Sue out there anymore or Jarvis Landry out there anymore or Mike Pouncey all of whom had very strong personalities um those guys aren't there this is Ryan Tannehill's team. You could see that in the press conferences uh, and from the way that everybody talks about Ryan and from the way that he speaks as well. The other big theme I took out of it, you mentioned it before, Simon. He had a great day, right? Um, mm. He had a great day in more than one way. 
he was all over those press conferences today and not just when he was actually out there for his press conference lasted like 12 minutes. It was as long as a coordinator's press conference. Um, And it's because everybody wants to ask about him and everybody wants to ask him questions. And the reason is because he's out there making plays every day and really, um, really drawing some eyes. And so there's there is this whole kind of, you know, faux controversy about who's the fastest on the team, blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of, you know, uh, everybody's enjoying the I think I think it's a little bit of a joke because I think most everybody knows that Jakeem Grant is the fastest guy on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they asked this question of all the players today, p- player after player that got up in front of the podium. You know, who do you think is the fastest? And uh, even Devontae Parker, who thinks he's, you know, maybe the second fastest guy on the team is like, yeah, Jakeem Grant is the fastest guy. <laughs> there's there's really not much controversy there. But I tell you, I keep telling people not to sleep on this guy. Uh, we all can pop on the tape and see what an interesting player is. Think about that gorgeous touchdown catch he had over Malcolm Butler um, or the, the three tackles he broke against the Kansas City Chiefs uh, to make that long touchdown. What he did to the Eagles um, in the preseason or what he did to the Vikings, which was just dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, also in the preseason, I realize it's preseason, but then we got to the regular season. He did it there too. Uh, so yeah, we can all look at the tape and we're all really interested in that, but I look at some things to aid in that, uh, in the tape watching, uh, things like yards per target, yards per route, uh, missed tackles, the missed tackles that you create missed tackles per catch. He leads in all of them. And I'm not just talking about leads the team people i'm talking about he leads the nfl and we're looking at perimeter yards per target like you know just how often you're thrown and how many yards you produce perimeter yards per per target over the last five years there isn't a single wide receiver that has a higher yards per target on a you know qualifying number of targets uh better than jakeem grant Uh, it's it's the highest one and then you look at the yards per route over the last two years and he's been in the league 2016 17 um there are only two players in the entire nfl and even if you count like all the preseason stuff and all the mr august is you know august's out there like remember chancy stucky on the jets used to always mm. be mr august uh even if you count all those guys there's only two players in the nfl that are producing three yards or better every time they even step on the field and run a route and those are julio jones and jakeem grant and, you know, this top 10 list is full of all the guys that you know and, and would think of, like, you know, Odell Beckham, Tyreek Hill, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, Antonio Brown, you know, Adam Thielen. These guys are all there. But who's also there? Jakeem Grant. And this is the NFL. You know, you don't just make plays by accident. He's made all those plays because he's really talented and he has these numbers. He makes, you know, he forces more missed tackles than any other receiver in football. That's the third thing. Uh you know, he does this on NFL players, and there's a reason that these numbers are so good. There's a reason why you look at these top 10 lists and you're not seeing a bunch of nobodies on it. You're just seeing great guys and Jakeem Grant somehow. This is 2009, 2010 with Cameron Wake all over again. Don't sleep on Jakeem Grant. I think that if you gave him, you know, just starter level action as a, as an NFL player, this guy could be in the Pro Bowl as a receiver. And today, you know, it was a big storyline. Everybody was getting asked about him. And uh, it was really interesting to see, you know, sort of this this respect creeping up for Jakeem Grant, so, sort of from the ground up, 
Um, and eventually it's just going to be so loud that the coaches aren't going to be able to ignore it. A lot of people get caught up in the in the counting stats on Jakeem Grant. They'll say, oh, but he only had seven catches or, you know, he only he only got thrown the ball this many times. It's small sample size theater. No, guys, uh, that 30 yard penalty he drew against Atlanta, that matters, too. Mm-hmm. OK, yeah. now now let me throw a number to, to you guys. I have zero idea who leads the league in yardage. <sighs> in penalties gained but would it surprise you if he got us 200 yards on penalties next year no absolutely not i mean i i could see he's so the problem with him with trying to get him especially if you try to try to defend him at the line you try to get a good jam on him he's so small and quick and fast that i mean tredavious white who is a fantastic player with the buffalo bills he played against jakeem grant in the texas bowl uh in his uh in jakeem's final year and he, he even said in an interview beforehand, you know, the temptation, he's small. You want to get your hands on him. But no, you can't do that. Do not do that because uh, because that's how you fall into a trap with Jakeem Grant. Yeah, he's and really sure strong. enough. Yeah. And sure enough, sure enough, Tredavious White, you know, gave up a, a long touchdown in man coverage against Jakeem Grant in that game. But, you know, that that that's the thing about him is, is he is very physical. Um when when you try and get your hands on it's very hard to defend him uh and you try to get the jam on him and it's um and it's it's not working out for you which team in the nfl last season had the most yards gained through pass interference penalties sight unseen the new england patriots yeah I was yep. gonna guess that <laughs> you're right the new england patriots you see and i didn't i didn't give it any thought and didn't look up a single thing which do we do we which, need to though <laughs> Which defensive back gave up most yards per penalty? Is fact, it, I'm going to go first. Ma- I'm going to go first. Aqib Talib. Okay, you go first because I have no idea. Aqib Talib. What did you say? Aqib right, Talib. Aqib Talib is not first. I'm just trying to see if he's in the list at all. He is not anywhere. Okay, then I'm completely clueless on this one. Uh, Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler is not top of the list. And in fact, again, I don't see Malcolm Butler's name anywhere. Uh, you can have three guesses. The highest-rated dolphin is is X with 73 yards on penalties, uh, and then okay, Malcolm Butler gave up 54 yards, which isn't bad. How about how about Bashad Breland? Uh, Bashad Breland, no, he's not in the top 10. The top five is AJ Bouye, which is a surprise given he's oh. one of the top four or five yeah. blockers in the league. That is a surprise. Yeah. Artie Burns, who is not a surprise because That's he is not, at all. not very good at all. <laughs> Dante Johnson of the 49ers is third with 92 yards. Uh, This should not be a surprise to anybody who was given a chance to perhaps think about it. And uh, to be fair, I didn't give you guys much of a chance to think about it. But but Ken Crawley of New Orleans gave up an awful lot of penalty yards, especially down the the stretch. He did did all right, though, this year. No, he did all right. He did all right. And the number one corner in terms of giving up penalty yardage was Drake Kirkpatrick of the Bengals. Wow, that's interesting. That one was pretty interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna thump my chest on that one because when I, that's what I saw on him came out of Alabama. When, yeah, when I he was is is a little grabby and a little bit too physical back there, and I thought that maybe he was doing it because he didn't quite have the athletic ability to uh, to keep up with these guys otherwise. Yeah, I just want to just before we go, I want to just follow up what we did last week. I just pl- play a, a quick round of our favorite game. Where are they now? Who's up does one of them does one of them sell penis shaped lighters? <laughs> if only that would have been the dream to square the circle. 
but alas, they don't. But maybe that's what John Avery does now. Maybe. <laughs> well, you say that. I'm going to tell you what John Avery does now. <laughs> okay. Go- 97 and 98 draft class. What do they do now? So, Lorenzo Bromel, also in that draft, fourth round pick, defensive end, played 77 games for the Dolphins. Had 27. Do, do you remember his rookie year and how I good did? he looked as a rookie? Do you remember him breaking Peyton Manning's jaw? Yes. Ah, yes. He what was he? He was one of those very finest he, moment. He was one of those early peak, very long fade players. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, he was great off the bat and was never any better. Died on his ass after that. Yeah. What does he do? Uh, hmm. After breaking Peyton Manning's jaw, I car salesman. Really does. He's a salesman of some sort, but not cars. All right. Uh, real estate. He's a real, est- he's a real estate agent. Absolutely. Okay, nailed it. Nice. Yeah, he did. Remember Larry Shannon, the wide receiver from East Carolina, the yeah, big the guy, wide receiver yeah, who took yeah. the third round. Yeah, the after guy that Jimmy forget. Johnson compared to Randy Moss. Yeah, he he made how many games do you think Larry Shannon played? He, exactly compared to Randy Moss. Drafted in the same year as Randy Moss after we traded down to avoid taking Randy Moss to take John Avery. We took 82nd overall, big Larry Shannon, six foot five out of East Carolina. How many games did he play in and how many catches did he have before I tell you what he does for a living? Did he play in like 10 games? I think he played in less than a season. I think he played less than 16 games. Okay, well, give us a number because 10 is less than 16. (laughs) Okay. I would say he played in 12 and had less catches than games played. He played in two games. Ooh. How many catches? Well, I would say one. One? Zero. Oh. Never had a single catch. He is, is now, he, is he for, now a head and shoulder salesman? Oh, I thought you were going to get it right. He is now a head football coach for the Florida State Champions. Which he's is, a head and know, shoulders football coach. He is a head and shoulders above everybody else. Right, two more. 1998 draft, both of these guys. Our seventh-round pick, a guard, Jim Bundren, out of Clemson. Oh, and, and ended up playing 27 games for us. Okay. What does he do now? Jim I remember Bundren. Him. He was in video games. He was? Uh, well, he's not anymore. Not anymore. Okay, so he's, he's, he's kind of a big guy, but that's like that's the trap you fall into. So he's doing it something, is, you see. He's doing something intellectually now. So I would say uh, he's a computer he, engineer. He's doing something in travel. Well, there's, yeah, there's no more travel agents, so... Actually, run, there are. He runs yeah. his own aviation company, Wheels Up, private airline. Wow. <laughs> yeah, right? So here is the one that you've been waiting for. Drum roll, please, okay? John of Avery. John Avery, the the first-round draft pick that we had out of Old Miss. Okay, and what? it is not It is not selling cock. Shaped. It is uh, alas. Lighters. It, it is not selling cock-shaped lighters. He had one 1,000-yard season. That was in Canada for Edmonton. He also scored nine touchdowns that year, but had ten fumbles. Um, so we won't touch on that. Do you know that John Avery's best moment as a Miami Dolphin came whilst uh, CBS was in commercial break as yeah. a rookie he had, against the Rams at home? He had a really long run and. They only cut back to it about three quarters of the way through the run because they were on break. <laughs> yes. That was really hard. I remember. I remember that. Anyway, uh, what is his job? Okay. I would say he works in... If you get this, I will give you a lifetime supply of cock-shaped <laughs> well, I don't know why. How I many would... do you need in your life? Yeah, I don't know why <laughs> I would want that. Well, first of all, I didn't buy it for myself. It was a gift for somebody else. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me make that yeah. clear. 
Yeah. Okay. I'll somebody, out. somebody who mowed your lawn once. Right? Yeah. I've okay. got a, I've got I could have swore. I could have swore I heard that he was working in a hotel in Las Vegas. Is that correct? Doing what? As as an entertainment manager, I would say. You are you are very very close. I've got to say. Wow. Chris, I I don't know that if he's not an entertainment manager is. So what, he, uh, what, what is an what, what is an entertainment manager? What 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 are we calling that? Well, in Las well, Vegas, an entertainment manager could be a guy that just you know is a supervisor at a strip club at a hotel. No. It could be a guy who. Overseas, the bars and the nightclubs. You've, got, and you've a, gone cold. Hotel. You've gone. Co- you've gone cold. Ah, oh okay. boy. Okay. I mean, you're much closer than you, know, you deserve praise for. Wait, is getting... he? Is he a pimp? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> hey, he that is an entertainment pimp. manager. What can we uh, That's where I'm going. I... <laughs> he is a stand-up comedian. Wow. What? Yeah, I mean, God knows he was funny enough when he played for us, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John Avery, stand-up and, comedian, and he's a stand-up comedian in Las Vegas. I, uh, I don't know if it's in Las Vegas, but um, I, I would assume he's you know wherever. But he is a stand-up comedian. Well, if, if he is in Las Vegas, I'm going to be in Las Vegas at the end of July. I'm going to go look him up. If he do it, you have show you up have there. to look him up if yes, you're you if you're out there. I will go see his show if he's out there. Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. That's- I love it's this funny you guy. didn't even mention Brad Jackson. Isn't he the one that ended up being blind in one eye or something? Oh God! Crikey, who knows? What a let's, uh, let's let's see the beautiful let's see the power of Google. I mean, talk amongst yourselves while I find out whether or not Brad Jackson <laughs> really was blinded. You know, John Avery was. Tra- Do you remember he was traded? Uh, his his career in Miami ended because he was traded for another first round bust, Marcus Nash. The guy who uh, he was, yes. the he, got caught, he caught passes from Peyton Manning in Tennessee uh, in college, so everybody thought he was good. And uh, well, let me, let, let, let me be clear: Marcus Nash in college had great tape, and he ran a really good forty, and he was big and can jump, and went to Tennessee when it was a series of Tennessee wide receivers that had already made it in the NFL. So there was a lot of reasons to think that he was going to be good, but he sucked. He was Marcus Gash. Yeah. So Brad Jackson has been a studio analyst for Comcast Sportsnet Mid-Atlantic since the inception of its live Baltimore Ravens programming in September 2011. These assignments include presenting Ravens kickoff and Ravens postgame live on game day. Wasn't Brad Jackson the third-round draft pick that we cut in camp? He was a third-round pick. I can't we remember cut, if we I'm, cut him. I'm pretty sure we cut him wow. in camp. I don't think he ever played a snap for us because we cut him. Anyway, there you go. Who knew? All right, we want to thank you guys for listening to us, but I want you also to listen to everybody on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Uh, they have a lot of good uh, podcasts, a lot of new stuff coming out, uh, Pitch Invasion, and in July we'll be having seeing the release of the Fish Tank. So pay attention to all that. Listen to the Balls Cast, listen to the Miami Heat Beat, and listen to uh, Ethan and Chris on their own podcast. But until then, uh, or until next week when we get back to you, uh, we'll, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.